Welcome to Chester Friday. It's Brent Rosen, and I'm at Turkey and the Wolf with Mason Hereford. Mason, how are you today? I'm great. Happy to be here with you. Man. Fantastic. We are recording this on a Monday. This Friday will be the Chester Friday New Orleans launch. And I have not told you yet, you will have the pleasure of me after a Galatoire's lunch. So this will be a true Chester Friday. I should probably be pretty drunk by the time we yeah. get here at 5 o'clock. I've not ever done one of those, and I fear it's a blast. It's, it should be pretty rough. Yeah, Looking good. forward to it. Good. So, good Mason, you have been, recently, it was Bon Appetit, was Food one, and, wine was food and Wine's good. Best New Restaurants, Yeah. as well as the long list for the Beard Award for Best New Restaurant. Yeah, that all happened. Crazy. How... You could not have been expecting it. No, we had no, literally no idea um, about, well, first, the James Beard thing uh, for Best New Restaurant, the long list, and a friend of mine uh, wrote me a text message that said, congratulations on the, J, the JB, man. And I go, oh, to the kitchen staff, it was like 9 or 10 in the morning, and I go, hey, I just got a really strange text message. I wonder what they mean, congratulations on the JB. And then someone goes, dude, it's gotta be some sort of James Beard thing. And I go, there's just no way that uh, we're in this pool of candidates for a James Beard award. Um, and, you know, we looked it up and we were literally fucking losing it. I mean, it's, it's really, I know you can curse all you want. Oh, yeah. We're, we're oh, yeah. explicitly we were explicit. Losing, uh, losing our minds over it. I think for the next two and a half hours of the day, I got nothing done. The shakers allowed. I mean, a lot of the early buzz was from a lot of your friends in the restaurant industry. Do you think yeah, that yeah. helped a lot to sort of get people yeah, to know, know what was going on? Part of the deal was that, you know, I talked it up a lot before I even had a restaurant space. Like, hey, I'm going to do this, get ready to all my friends. Uh, and then we were coming soon for like uh, over a year. So uh, every time like Eater or NOLA.com had a, hey, check out these restaurants that are coming up, we'd make every list because maybe I'd call them and be like, hey, we're coming soon. It's like when? It's like, yeah, a couple months. And then, you know, obviously construction gets underway, whatever, whatever. It all takes forever. So I think part of the deal was we were always coming soon. So like people were like, oh, they, that place is finally open. It's like the going um, out of business sale that lasts forever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that got some people in the door, and then I don't know, I guess, yeah, a lot of word of mouth with just because all of our friends all have to work in restaurants. I, I think it does help, for sure. Do you, do you remember, what was the first big story that y'all had? Uh, well, I guess it depends on what you mean by big story. They're all... The first, the I guess, we asked Any the story in the beginning is The first national deal. story that y'all had. The first national thing was uh, Bill Addison is uh, the roving restaurant critic for Eater, like the national eater, because Eater's in a bunch of different cities. So I guess he came and ate here a few times and wrote a review on us, and for being a new restaurant that is as casual as we are, um, it was a huge surprise to have a guy like that review us. Uh, and it was, he wrote really nice things, and um, it was incredible, and that, I think, opened the floodgates up for us a little bit. Um, he mentioned... I think in, in the beginning of the article, he actually wrote a follow-up article about our gumbo a week later. In one of the two articles, he was like, this place has become, you know, pretty popular in New Orleans, and I wouldn't be surprised if soon enough on the national stage as well. And, like, reading that, and then afterwards it got, you know, some people found out about us, and it was pretty sweet. It's yeah. crazy. We don't... It's just too... It's wild. Well, and, and so, so for people who aren't familiar with the restaurant, you said it's pretty casual. Kind of describe yeah. your menu. Uh, so... We open a sandwich shop, uh, so the menu is 
what do we got? Five, five or six sandwiches. Uh, then we'll have five or six other things. So half menu sandwiches, half menu's not. Uh, the other things could be anything from something that I guess you could consider the size of a side or a small plate all the way up to like a giant ass salad. Uh, but the food, I like to think you can tell that we're purposely trying to have a good time with it. Uh, some people might call it funny. We've been pegged as stoner food a lot of times. And, um, and I don't even know that stoner food as much as if you got home from a good night out and you yeah. had a restaurant kitchen in your house yeah. with and all the ingredients. How take yeah, how far would you go before you went to sleep? And right now our menu is as straightforward as it gets. You know, through our transformation into a newly open restaurant to where we are now, we had a couple of really stoner-sounding dishes, like uh, things with crushed-up Doritos on top and stuff like that. Uh, and that, I mean, that kind of... So you've matured? Uh, you know, we haven't stepped away from that. It's I'm just, kidding. It's just not currently on the menu. Not currently on the menu. And we got a lot of shit for that, and people, <laughs> mostly people laughing, but and it's, it was well, kind of a and joke. It, and it's getting to be summertime, too, so you're, you're exploring the lighter side of things. Yeah, there you go. I had a tomato sandwich when we were here last week, which was excellent. I'm glad what, you liked that. I've been eating a lot of those myself. What is your most popular dish? Man, it's hard. The meatloaf sells a ton, I think, just because of the way it reads. And it's got all the ingredients of... Uh, like a Big Mac, so it's kind of got all the all-American flavors in there. Uh, food and Wine, when they did write about us, mentioned the lamb neck roti, and we gave them a recipe, and they took some pictures. So anyone that's read that seems to gravitate towards the lamb neck, so that has doubled or tripled in sales since that first Food and Wine article came out, which I think was only like a month and a half ago. Yeah, probably the last one. Yeah. Um, it might even still be available. Probably, probably not. Um, so the lamb sells a ton. We sell a, a ridiculous amount of deviled eggs here because it's got the fried chicken skin on top. You were at Coquette before you opened here, correct? Yeah, for a so, long time, like six years. And so what, seven, where did you get started? Did, uh, before Coquette, I worked at a restaurant called, or a bar called Fat Harry's, which I'm sure some of your readers have heard of. I, I, I wish here. this was recorded live because that's the point when people in the crowd start cheering, woo! when they hear Fat Harry's because it is such a popular place for uptown New Orleans and it's it's not anywhere I went much but I have definitely eaten there before yeah and how to say were you gravitating towards the industry or just looking to make money college in Virginia I went to UVA moved to New Orleans um, and was just looking for any job I was an art history major so that kind of canceled out any job in the like the art history profession because I'm not going to I don't even know what you do, curate a museum? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so that was out of the question. So I figured I got to figure out a way to make money. So I went to a bunch of places. Um, an old buddy of mine had worked at Fat Harry, so I immediately got a job um, as a door guy and a cook and later as a bartender. And I would made sandwiches in college, like in one summer. Um, and so I started cooking at Fat Harry's, and that's when I was like, oh, man, I guess, like, this is really cool to know how to like make a hamburger and like take chicken that's raw and make it into chicken tenders like that was like a thing like a light bulb went off and then uh, I had a, a buddy there who worked uh, and also worked at Coquette which had just opened a few months earlier and they're like dude they're hiring and even if you suck at cooking like then you know you might still get the job like, even though you haven't yeah. cooked all very long I got in there and you know they hired me for like nine bucks an hour way less than you make fat areas and making tips and all the drunk kids <laughs> yeah. like ordering cheese fries um, and yeah, I just I worked there for six years. There's a lot of room to move up. And that's what I did. I left. I think when I left, I'd been 
chef de cuisine for like a couple years, two years, maybe three. Not too long. And so what part of the kind of classical kind of cooking that you were doing there influences some of the stuff you do at the sandwich shop? Oh, that's hard to say. A lot of the, towards the end of my tenure there, I was responsible for putting a lot of the new food on the menu. And a lot of my dishes that I created there were either like dressed up, fancified versions of really casual, you know, maybe even like trashy, like trash food, which is what I grew up eating. Um, like gas station type shit and like, po- like, or like a po- like take on a po' boy or whatever. Yeah, like what or, you get at the hot box. From yeah, the- or taking a really fancy ingredient or fancy group flavors and making them taste really approachable. Like, you know, take this thing and make it taste like, you know, mac and cheese or whatever. Um, so then coming here, I, I was like, well, if I'm going to either dress it up or take something fancy and dress it down, I may as well just cook the food I want to cook, which is like the super approachable, casual, bright flavored food that I was kind of figuring out how to cook on a different stage. Um, So using that technique kind of translated into this restaurant really, really well, but also, you know, we cook everything from scratch, like all that stuff's informed by, you know, learning how to cook at a fancy restaurant. So you're saying everything comes from scratch, like, and you have a below well, everything. everything, but most things. Yeah, well, like anything. So what? But we're do you make your own to, lunch meats? Like I know you have a lot. Yeah, so some stuff we do. So uh, there's like a little blurb on the menu that kind of is, I guess, our ethos to a certain extent. It's like we make. I think we wrote. We make all the cool stuff in house, but we're also not afraid to utilize our favorite ingredients if they're better than what we. If we consider them better, what we would make ourselves. Uh, you know, all restaurants make aioli. You know instead of just using regular mayonnaise on, on a lot of things. We use Duke's mayonnaise. Like, we love it. It's We go through, like, 14 gallons a week. Where are you from originally? I'm from Virginia. Virginia, so okay. Duke's. So, yeah, Duke's yeah. is, like, the... Yeah, it's our mayonnaise. And I didn't even actually eat it that much growing up. I found it in my later years. Um, but I'm, like, you know, fan. If you, if you can't beat really, Duke's, yeah. what's the point of... Yeah, and, it, I mean, we can try to make it, but it's, like, it's right there. It's, like, something that, you know... We can get, and we love it. Um, but yeah, so things we do make, uh, we make all like the ham and the bacon from scratch here. So the wedge salad has a little bit of bacon on top. We're making that out of pork bellies. We're curing it for a week, and then we got a smoker out back. We smoke it. Um, the ham, we brine it for uh, six or seven days in like a really salty, sugary brine with a bunch of different spices. We inject all that brine in the ham, um, and then we'll smoke that for basically an entire day, so 9 a.m. till about 9 p.m., so about a 12-hour smoke. Um, the bread uh, is our recipe. Our friend David Weiss makes it. Um, so that's made here in New Orleans. The bologna we use, which is one of my favorite sandwiches on the menu, the bologna sandwich. Uh, my friend Leanne makes it. She's about to open up a butcher shop. Oh, that's uh, terrific. City, yeah. I was going to ask you about the bologna, because that bologna yeah. is... Yeah, it's made here. That's one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. It's Thanks, yeah. It's a classic. Um, was that how you ate bologna sandwiches as a kid, with the chips on top? Of. It's funny, because that one's definitely... An obvious homage, I guess, to my mom's bologna sandwich that she fed us as kids. So what, what, what all is on the bologna sandwich? So our bologna sandwich is thick cut white bread toasted in butter. Um, and that's that David Weiss white bread. Uh, Duke's mayonnaise, uh, shredded lettuce, which we call shredders here, and we think we're really clever for doing it. Um, three slices of uh, a good thickness bologna that we fry off on the flat top. Uh, melt two slices of American cheese, like this really good American cheese, not those craft singles that you're used to. 
uh, melted on top of the bologna. A uh, big pile of potato chips that we make here. Uh, we soak them in vinegar before we fry them, so they got a little bit of salt and vinegar kind of thing to them, but not much. And then um, hot English mustard, which is actually my friend Via's mom's recipe, and it's super badass. What goes into that mustard? Because it, it tastes similar to like the Coleman's kind you can get. In yeah, that. so what? it is made out of Coleman's mustard powder. It's a really weird process. So it's a quick mustard. You can make it in like 20 minutes. It's uh, Coleman's mustard powder with a couple types of vinegar, sugar, um, and then you add whole eggs. You blend it all together, and you cook in the double boiler almost like hollandaise. Oh, uh, the there you go. The so it's the eggs that yeah, make that's that are the doing really the work. Weird, that's the really weird ingredient. I'd never seen that before. And when I looked at the recipe, I was like, wow, that's interesting. I should try it. Uh, oh, man, I love it. It's such a good recipe. And it's cool that utilizing your friend's mom's, you know, recipes. It's, it's a good story. People like to hear it. It's fun to eat. Yeah, I mean, what are the other dish I wanted to talk about is the cabbage salad with the pig ears. Yeah. So tell me how that dish came about. So, and, and the what's, so what's all in it? Yeah. Like a slaw. I, um, I keep forgetting that people aren't sitting here where they can like look at yeah, these things exactly. as they're walking around. Um, so what the salad is is a bunch of finely shredded cabbage um, in a big pile. It's going to be dressed with a uh, sort of a Thai vinaigrette. It's going to have some red onions, some jalapenos, um, little diced up uh, lemongrass. Um, it's going to be topped with fried garlic and sunflower seeds, and it's going to have a bunch of lime juice and some herbs like cilantro and Thai basil in there. Um, the idea behind it is my favorite dish I had at one of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at. Um, the restaurant's called Uncle Boone's in New York City. It's uh, a casual Thai restaurant. They peg it as Thai drinking food. Um, and it's in New York, and it's like a casual restaurant with a Michelin star. It's just that good. The flavor of the food is just that good. And the first time I had it, my friend Nini took me there, and I was inspired by it. It was super delicious. Um, so I was trying to figure out a way that I could do a Vietnamese cabbage salad, which is a really popular dish on the Vietnamese restaurants in, the, in New Orleans East and on the West Bank, uh, which is a really finely shredded cabbage salad. Ours is basically that same cabbage salad from a Vietnamese restaurant, but with the dressing from my favorite salad at Uncle Boone's, which was a banana blossom salad. So I went online, I found uh, their recipe, and then we worked out their recipe until it really worked with our own flavors. Um, so it's kind of a, that one we're paying tribute to one of my favorite salads on the West Bank, and the best salad that I had in New York one time when I went that, I have been to Uncle Boone's, but actually the last time I was there, Will Farley, who's the editor of the zine, he hangs out at Mother's Ruin, that bar that's on the same yeah. block as there. And that restaurant is amazing. I, I, that's I kind it. of, when I travel now, I try to find places that I, there's so much good food in New Orleans that you almost have to like look for things you can't get here. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the stuff that New York that just does food. better than anywhere. Yeah, totally. That place is amazing. It really is. Shit, yeah. I knew what I wanted to ask you, and then I got all excited about Uncle Boone's being the Uncle best. Boone's being the best. I was like, Shit, Uncle Boone's is so good. It really is. I've uh, been five or six times now. I, I've got it now. Well, and y'all have a a ton of Instagram followers, and it seems like you're not afraid to just be yourselves on Instagram. Well, we didn't start with a ton, and we'd already started cursing and saying really dumb, outlandish things, and it was kind of just like a big joke at the beginning, and now it's been perpetuated long enough that we're like. That's just part of our game now. Some some people are upset by it. Some people really think we're just try hard lamos on Instagram, which I think is a fair assessment for some. But there's other people out there I think that actually look forward to it. And it's fun. So oh, I think we just so. Keep it, that was try to keep it funny. You, you sort of that was one of the questions I wanted to ask. Is this restaurant? And I think before I say this, I'll tell you I think it's a good thing, because, but it is not for everyone. 
in the sense. And we, and we definitely have somehow pissed off some people. I mean, there's a lot of like, are you fucking kidding me, James Beard material? And they're right, man. Uh, I get it. Um, I guess we charmed a, a couple. Like, they got a big panel of people who make these decisions. We charmed a couple of them, I guess. Or well, people, your food is very good, and it's very different, and, yeah, it's, and different. it's fun. You know, it's and, the and fact that we are obviously putting fun ahead of some of the details. Uh, a lot of people appreciate it, but some people, it, I can imagine it being pretty irksome to be like, why, why do you get pressed? You know, when you're obviously goofing off, it's like, yeah, we drink a lot and we have a good time. We, we you know, we're trying to party while we work. Um, so that, I think that's a big one is that, like... Personality kind of comes through. Yeah, but it, it also, it's, you know, we're going to put a bunch of personality out there. You're going to have haters. It's going to happen. And that, you know, we've found a couple here and there. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things that if everybody likes you, nobody loves you. And that's one of the things that, that's true of anything. And yeah. it, it, it means you're making some people, people really happy. There, yeah, if people weren't out there talking shit, then there wouldn't be people out there that even knew who we were, you know? It's like, you got to have both if you want people to come in your restaurant. I mean, I'd rather be, you know, get mixed reviews than no reviews at all, yeah. you know? I've told a couple people that we were going to have our party here and that we were going to be interviewing you this week. And a lot of people wanted me to ask, when you started to open this place, how did you know that you were ready to run your oh own restaurant? I, it's like a year of clinical anxiety. I had no idea if I was ready. It's, it was so fucking scary. Terrifying. Um, I don't know. I definitely never thought that it was going to be like quote unquote successful which I think we're getting to a point where our first year has been a success I didn't I never could have assumed that that was going to happen it was very very scary um, I knew I was ready because I was it was time for me to move on from Coquette and there wasn't anywhere left in the city where I wanted to work um, unless it was because it was my friend there wasn't like something like oh, I really want to learn that cuisine there's tons of food I don't know how to cook and that's always going to be a thing but more so than learning something new I wanted to get out there and do Try your own thing, yeah. Um, so I guess getting to a point where instead of going and learning more, you want to put yourself out there, not because all that extra knowledge out there isn't important. It's just now you get to a point where the idea of cooking your own stuff is as interesting as going and cooking somebody else's food. Um, and, you know, we're in a restaurant where we change the menu a fuck ton and getting to be in charge of that for a while gives you a certain amount of confidence that you can create something new and get positive feedback so you, if you once you figure out that you can put a product out there and it's not going to be dismissed as crap it gives you a certain amount of confidence but once you start the restaurant process all that confidence just disappears until the day you open because it's just it's just a just a risk it's scary man it's, it's hard yeah do you have any advice for and not just necessarily restaurants but it's just starting ever, starting a small business in general ending as much as you think it is uh Dealing with the city fucking sucks. City Hall sucks. And everybody knows that. Everybody says it. So that's yeah, obvious. I'd say, yeah, write a fucking business plan is really, really important. Um, and there's... And consulting. Get consultants to help you. And there's free ones. That was huge. So I used Where, the, where are their free consultants? Yeah. Louisiana Small Business Development Center helped me write, like, an 80-page uh, business plan where they kind of jerk out the, pers- the really important... Uh, information for your business plan and tell you how, exactly how a bank wants to see it so that you can get the funding to open your restaurant. Uh, and they also put together the, uh, the spreadsheet, which is a huge document of, of all this, where you think your money's going to go. And with their help, if you look at our 
our numbers, like they were pretty right. You know, like they they, have, they, they know they did. They got people for different departments. They have a restaurant person. It's a notice. They, so they have some historical yeah, kind of data they, they, they can look at. And then you know they get you you know connected with the banks that they know are looking. Like a restaurant's not always a great investment for a bank, so they know the banks that are more in favor of will do that. Of yeah. lending to restaurant stuff. So like it, they 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 have up huge. That was pretty sweet. And I got that idea from the guys at Pizza Delicious. That's who they went through. And I was, I was like freaking out, calling him like, "How the fuck do I do this?" He's like, "Dude, go to these people that helped us get out of the weeds and find some money." It's all just asking your friends, and everyone's got a different answer to these questions. Oh yeah. So I've worked in a few startups, and everybody has their own version of, yeah. of how to do it. It's but kind of, I mean, the very beginning part where you just start to figure out what you don't know is like a earth-shattering nightmare. And then as time goes on, you start chipping away from that information at all. One day it finally becomes like, oh, I like, I kind of have a handle on the idea of all the moving parts of this. Yeah, here's how I can make sandwiches and make money. Yeah, and the most important thing I've found isn't the cooking, isn't the making people happy, which is all I ever try to do, is hiring the accountant. Have an accountant. That's a huge one. Have an accountant. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, CFO One Source is our accountant, uh, this lady Margaret Brzezinski, and she is. Life change. Like I don't know, I don't know where I'd be without her. I'd probably be in tax debt that I didn't know about and all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, accounting. Very important. You're how long until your one year anniversary? It'll be August, but I'm actually going to be Colleen, the chef Rosie, and I are going to be in Paris. Oh well, that's not so bad. So, yeah, we're be doing celebrating a your anniversary in there. Paris on the one year anniversary of our first day open. With who? Uh, this guy Stephen Torres is going to. Uh, Send us up there. He's the same guy that sent uh, Mike Galata to Oaxaca to do a pop-up. He's just this guy who does Chef's Collaboratives. He's, um, he's got, a, I think, his hand in a few different pots. But he's just a badass dude. He's hooking us up. That sounds pretty awesome. amazing. Yeah, that's a nice way to celebrate your anniversary. Yeah, totally. And, you know, yeah, that, that'll just be just a wild thing. Because I've never been to Paris. And I also, you know, obviously every chef or cook knows something about French food and what French people eat. But how our food will be received there will be an interesting thing to find out. You know? Absolutely. And what? Because uh, we do just make sandwiches. You know, we're not like. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's not some. Do, do people ever? Shit. Do people ever come in like hearing about this restaurant and then just like look, like, look kind of slack jawed when they walk well, in the door? Come in. Yeah. The idea that it, we're counter service that not everyone knows that when they walk in the door. Uh, the idea that the, that we are a sandwich shop and we have like a full service bar and stuff, but. We're still, you know, we're still very much a sandwich shop. Yeah, you come, come for the turkey sandwich. Yeah. And stay for the wedge salad. Yeah. A, a, aside from Paris, where else can people see you besides here for the next few months? You traveling anywhere else? Yeah, I'm going to do a pop-up uh, in Toronto on July 11th. Uh, so July 10th at a restaurant called Beast in Toronto, Scott Vivian's restaurant. Uh, Michael is doing a pop-up on Monday night, which I think is the 10th. I'm doing a pop-up on Tuesday night, which is going to be turkey and wolf food. And on Wednesday night, me, Scott Vivian, the chef owner of the restaurant, and uh, Michael Otter are all going to do a course, and like a five-course tasting. And so it's going to be a fancier, uh, more high-dollar. That sounds dinner. cool. Yeah, and then I'm going to uh, a music festival in Long Beach, California on... Uh, September 30th, October 1st. And that's going to be a bunch. There's like six or seven New Orleans chefs that are going. Uh, and it's kind of got like a New Orleans theme. So they're going to pair us up with chefs from Long Beach. Uh, we're all going to cook some food. Ween is headlining. And Ween fucking Nice. Cool. Ween does, yeah. Um, some other chefs like uh, Isaac Toop's going to be there. Kelly Fields from Villa Jean. 
Um, the guy that owns Pops Cowboys, Colin from Lafayette. That'll be a, a good, really fun group of people out uh, yeah, Fredo from <laughs> Cafe Henri. Yeah, y'all probably find yourselves into some yeah. trouble out there with that a group. A lot of trouble. That's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be excellent. Totally. And as far as the restaurant itself, I mean, you've been open for almost a year. What's your? Do you have a plan for continuing to kind of evolve? Yeah, we want to open more restaurants eventually. Um, to do it this early would be a fool's errand. Um, but yeah, we have ideas. Um, the kitchen and I are really close, and we kind of come up with everything together. Uh, so we've kind of hammered out a few really uh, what we think are solid ideas for things that New Orleans we think New Orleans would um, really be into. That maybe it's like a niche that we, we could fill. And we'll wait till we find a space to kind of see how that space dictates which one of these ideas or which one of these directions we want to follow. Um, which is also kind of like what we did here is everyone's like, do you have a menu? It's like, we have 100 plus ideas written down, but until we get in that space, we don't really know what the kitchen can handle and what kind of food that, can look that sounds that more That sounds more like a band than a restaurant almost. It's like, we got yeah. all these tracks, we just got to figure out how to yeah. put them together. It was kind of like that. It really all just comes down to the people that you're working with. Because if I opened a restaurant alone, it wouldn't be cool like this. It would probably be a lot, a lot different if I didn't have those guys in the back and the cool guys working up front to make it all make sense, you know. Mason, thank you again. We will be hanging out at your restaurant 5 to 7 Friday, what is it, June 16th? Yeah. Uh, the menu is TBD, but it's going to be something awesome. Yeah. I, I told Mason, have at it, do yeah. something crazy. Drink, yeah, drink specials. We'll have some t-shirts and some zines for sale. And also sure, Turkey sure. and the Wolf merchandise. He's, he's, he's got some awesome hats too, y'all. Yeah. So thanks again, and we'll, uh, we'll see you Friday. All right. Looking forward to it.